great time there in Dudley Springs at New Creation Church. Had great crowds. People were so hungry. So we're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord, and specifically the gathering of nations for the Ezekiel 38 war, because that's so visible and tangible. Uh, the rapture is signless, but the second coming has tons of signs. And uh, you know, I hear people, uh, the consensus has been over the years, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. But the Lord went to so much trouble to do verse after verse after verse in the Bible so we know exactly what the earth looks like right before the coming of the Lord. Uh, so we get into that. Why? Because he wants us to have a heads up. He wants us to accelerate. It's not about an escape mentality. It's about when you see the finish line, you run faster. And the whole purpose of all these thoughts about how close we are is for you to have great joy and great hope because Jesus is just about to come back. We have a lot to do in a short period of time. Let's pick up the what's happened around Israel. Man, several things have happened. And I know I'm going fast, but there's so many things that are going on. Israel basically had to attack another Iranian uh, depot of 11 kilometers from the northern border of Israel. It was an, uh, basically a, a viewing station for the uh, Iranian National Guard and some of the Syrian troops, an overview spot so they could overlook the whole Golan. I mean, this was just last Wednesday night when that happened. They obliterated that. At the same time, they fired on another one up in Kunitra and uh, took it out. So there's five uh, different bases that Iran's trying to set up right now, and Israel's had to attack two of them in the last two weeks. Uh, amazing that, that there's not that much uh, information about it, but uh, even yesterday and the day before, it's actually it was Sunday night, you had Israel taking out another Iranian base in Iraq and as sheriff. I mean, it was so uh, big that they sent F-35s in there. This is in Iraq, right on the Tigris River. It's an old base that where uh, Iraqi troops were stationed. Now, Iran keeps trying to uh, seemingly haul missiles and everything into there. This is a place that has a subterranean uh, base that they have missiles, they have tanks, they have armament. Israel went in there and blew that place up. It looks like about 40 Ar Iranians were killed in that attack. But Iran keeps moving all this armament closer and closer to Syria and even into Syria because they're ready to attack Israel. It's crazy that there's not a lot of talk about this, but I love that Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, and he's also their acting defense minister right now as well. He's coming out with the verbiage going, okay, go ahead and bring the stuff down and we're going to keep annihilating it. So Israel's literally having to be proactive to keep this massive buildup. Because Iran even touted yesterday uh, they're opening up a new uh, nuclear reactor, the one from Iraq, the old one, they're re reopening that. Uh, they're enriching uranium. So their whole purpose is to annihilate Israel. When they verbally say that, and then all this armaments there, Israel's having to be very proactive. So many things are happening like this. You had in the land of Israel, at Joseph's tomb, you had a, a horrible terrorist attack that was thwarted. Uh, 1,200 worshippers were there, and they found a, pop, a, a pipe bomb disassembled it, so uh, wonder if something else didn't happen there. You had some skirmishes over on the, down in Gaza again, firing rockets from Gaza into southern Israel. That seems to be a daily thing, it looks like. But many more things are happening that are just bizarre about the coming of the Lord. Uh, you had Israel's aero defense uh, missile that they tested up in Alaska. It flawlessly took out uh, ballistic missiles. I love that uh, Iran has nothing to stop Israel's missiles, but Israel has tons of things now. They have a five thought pattern uh, uh, defense mechanism against missiles. They have a lower altitude, higher altitude, medium altitude, and long range. So pretty, pretty wild. So all this is a setup because what the Bible says is going to happen right after the rapture of the church. You have the Ezekiel 38 war. So many, many uh, other things are continuing to happen. You got a lot happening with Brexit because of, uh, of the UK. Along with that, you've got the UK bringing ships into the uh, Strait of Hormuz because of what happened two weeks ago. I mean, there's going back and forth with Iran over the tanker that was taken there. So uh, basically, the UK said, we're going to send troops down there. They sent commandos into Bahrain to get ready for even more. So all this is heating up because that's the area that looks to the, the coming of the Lord. Uh, you had you had a mass of grasshoppers come to Las Vegas this last week. It was so big it was seen on radar. Uh, the local weatherman even said that it looks like we might have even seen Moses walking around. So, I mean, you got you got bizarre things happening like that. We had a meteor shower the last couple of days. Didn't get a chance to see that, but really wanted to. So you have heavenly things happening, earthly things happening, and you got even senators from America saying that Israel's is occupation. It's just absolutely insane. Some of the things that are coming out from even our government right now. 
portions of our government, thank God not all of our government, but portions, completely saying things that are ludicrous about Israel. And even the Boycott and Divestment and Sanction Group, one of the senators is so backing that, saying if anything is made in the West Bank, it can't have Israel's signature on it. And Canada is even having to work through that with Israel as well. So all these things are pointing to you right for the coming of the Lord. You have uh, Amazon selling things about pedophiles, but they won't sell things about how to correct your life. You've got YouTube blocking things that have the word Christianity on it. So you're living in the, in the manifestation of what it will look like right after we leave, a hatred for light. Well, let's always go to the Scripture, though, because there's so many things happening over there that, that were tangible, and specifically Israel having to preemptively strike to protect themselves. But, but Jesus was real clear in Luke 21. He said, look, when you see Jerusalem won back, you can tell the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So in 1967, Jerusalem was won back. 1948, Israel's made a nation. Jesus was very clear. He said, the group that sees that, uh, that's the group he's coming back. He said, you could see this and you could know this. Not wonder, not sense, not perceive, but you could know it. So we're, we're watching the two main signs that have already taken place in our lifetime. That's why all this stuff is happening. But then you have more. You have the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. Amazing. And you have the Temple Mount Institute that's there. You had fish showing up in the Dead Sea. You got, I men will be lovers themselves with selfie sticks. Uh, crazy. Then you have 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up in the land. So all this stuff is happening because Jesus is just about to come back. There are many more. There's about 50 precise signs of the second coming. Uh, so we're blessed to get to see all these things happening. But then you go from signs to signals. You have blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. A few years ago, that's pretty amazing to have four in a row. NASA called it a tetrad. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. Pretty wild. 1492, the Edict of Expulsion. So you got the heavens signaling uh, there's a change coming. And they're indicators. They're indicating that there's a change coming. What's coming? Jesus is coming. In the Bethlehem Star last year, first time in 2,000 years. Amazing. You had Mercury do a flyby of the sun, went directly over the temple, went down directly over the temple mount at sundown. Crazy. The planets formed a sickle. Uh, the moon formed a sickle. Orion uh, changed this instrument to hammer. It hammer and sickle on the same day. That's Russia's symbol. So we're, we're looking at all these things that the Bible said we'd see. So what do we do? We help our local church, help our local pastor. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. And we we're not casual about the will of God. Man, this is it. It blows my mind how quiet it is about the coming of the Lord. In other words, if you're not really paying attention, people aren't even excited about it. We should be so excited that we're all, people think something's mentally wrong with us because we're about to see Jesus. Along with that, we have to accelerate like the two-minute warning. So we're privileged and blessed. Many, many, many other things keep happening all around Israel. Even Turkey said yesterday, if you're for Israel, we're against you. Basically saying we're even against the United States. He said it doesn't matter what nation you are. Remember, I've always talked about watch Turkey right before the coming of the Lord. So you'll see a manifestation of things being activated probably from Turkey even down into Israel uh, very, very soon. So we're, we're blessed. We get to watch it unfold right before our eyes. The king's coming back. Jesus, the one who gave his life for us, raised from the dead. And he's coming back again so soon. Hey, have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for Amen. Um, he mentioned the uh, uh, meteor showers that the last couple nights. Tonight, there's a black moon. Have you all heard about that? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, and I was, I was praying, I was praying this week asking the Lord about, uh, everything that's happening, you know, all the, the different things that's happening. And, and, uh, you know, the scripture just rose up in my spirit about, uh, the scripture says, you know, when that time comes, look up for your redemption draweth not. And isn't it something that all these things are happening in the skies, you know, the meteor showers, the, uh, you know, the, all the different things are going on. And everything, and then, and then, you know, even like tonight, the black moon. What is that? You're looking up. You know, gets you looking up. Get, gets you looking up for the king. So, uh, uh, just interesting. I mean, there's a lot, a lot happening. Amen. So, all right, let's open up our Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, and we are, uh, we are in the at the point here where we've come through. We've went all the way through the, you know, the the major events that's happened, um, the rapture of the church, the all the different things about the tribulation, about you know the seals being opened, the trumpet judgments, the uh, the midpoint of the tribulation. Uh, we've seen the antichrist come to power. We've uh, you know and then we've seen him 
um, you know, in the second half of the tribulation really turn and just and just cause chaos and everything. And then uh, and then last week we we got all the way up to um, at the end of the tribulation period we we saw the battle of Armageddon and we saw the the uh, beast and the false prophet was thrown into the lake of fire and. Uh, you know, and then and then here at the Battle of Armageddon, really is not even a is really to be honest with you, it's not even a battle, because uh, because Jesus comes, he returns, and he's riding the horse. We're riding with him on white horses, and the Bible says that he opens his mouth and with the sword he slays them, and and you know, and then uh, then it says that that Satan is uh, in verse in chapter twenty at the the first verse there, it says that uh, that an angel came down and grabbed Satan and threw him in the Threw him in the bottomless pit, chained him there, and put a seal on him to where he couldn't he couldn't leave. Actually, last week we looked at the millennial reign. It wasn't Armageddon last week, but but uh, so so Satan was bound for a thousand years in a bottomless pit, and then uh, then what happens is the millennial reign, what's known as the millennial reign, and that's the thousand year uh, period of time when there when Satan is you know Satan is is bound, all evil. There's no evil on the in the land. Um, and you know, and, and growing up, I used to think that that man that would be a um, that would be an incredible time when when Satan you know Satan wouldn't be Satan wouldn't be out causing chaos and everything and and it's gonna and you know we talked about how that that it is going to be an incredible time and there's going to be a lot of of awesome things happening. We we looked last week about how the nature nature itself is going to change. The Bible says that a, a child will be leading uh, a line by a leash. You know, and a lion and a lamb will be playing together, and and you know, and, and all these all these things. So nature is really is really going to go back. I believe is going to go back to like the Garden of Eden, the way the way God the way God intended for it to be. Um, but during that time, also we 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 turn back into Zechariah 14, and this is going to play a big part in tonight and what we're going to talk about tonight because um, in Zechariah 14 it talked about how that during that time Zechariah prophesied about that time. And he said how that during that time, that during the millennial reign, that, uh, that every person had to go to Jerusalem to worship. So there's still going to be church, uh, you know, and, still going to, and Jesus is going to be ruling out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is going to be kind of the headquarters there. He's going to be on the, the throne in Jerusalem. And we'll, we'll be ruling and reigning with. There'll be the Old Testament prophets will be there. You know, I mean, we'll all be we'll all be ruling and reigning. You know, but you and I will be ruling and reigning um, over things as well, over cities and over over. Uh, the Bible says we'll rule over angels and 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 you know, then the other the other mortals that are here. So so we'll have we'll have things to do during that time. But um, but the interesting thing is is that the Bible says that that we will go up to Jerusalem. Said everyone is required to go to Jerusalem once a year at the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. To worship Jesus, and and it says if they decided not, if you decide not to go to Jerusalem to worship, it says God will withhold rain from you. Now, isn't that something that people, even in the millennial, even in with no, you know, because what what is the, you know, one of the big things you hear today, uh, and you've heard this for years, I've heard it my whole life, is that oh well, Satan made me do it. You know, oh the the pressure, the 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 pressures of the world, the you know all these bad things. It made me do it. Well, guess what? Even in the millennial, when Satan is locked up and there's no evil, there's no pressure, there's no pressure from the from the bad, from the dark. Even in that, people are going to find excuses not to go worship Jesus. Isn't that something? And it said that it said that he's going to withhold rain from them. Now, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but this is going to play huge into this because because what we're getting ready to look at here in verse 7 is when when Satan is released he he's bound for a thousand years at the end of the thousand years Satan is going to be released and it says that he's going to go and he's going to deceive uh, a multitude of people to come up and and you know here's here's his deception here's what's going to happen and here's I don't know exactly how he's going to do it I, I mean I don't know exactly how that's going to look but here's going to be his his uh uh, line or, or here's basically just, and we'll see this, but he's going to deceive the people and he's going to get them together to come up to battle Jesus in Jerusalem. He he is going to deceive them into thinking that they can destroy Jerusalem and Jesus and take over. Now, and you think, and, and I, I think to myself, how could anybody believe that? 
But well, let, let's just read this, and we'll we'll dig into it a little bit here, and and uh, I'll share some things. So let's read verses seven through ten. This is Revelation twenty, and verse seven says this: "And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth." Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle. So he that was that he 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 deceived the nations and he deceived them into thinking that they were going to win the battle this time. And he says the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, and they went up to, uh, they went up the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. And that and, and that would be talking about Jerusalem. And it says and and the beloved city they compassed the the camp of the saints and the, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. <laughs> and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Wow. So the first question you have to ask is, you know, and we've already looked at this, but we'll talk about it again. The first question you have to ask is, why does Satan even have to be released? You know, because here we've had, we've had, uh, you know, the church has been raptured. The, the seven-year tribulation period has happened. Um, you know, all of the judgments of God have been poured out. And now there's this thousand-year period where, where Satan is bound and he is locked up and, and he has no influence over the world whatsoever. And Jesus comes down and, and Jesus is literally living on the earth. His, his throne is in Jerusalem. The, the holy city is restored to uh, other other passages in the Old Testament talk about um, you know talk about the restoration of Jerusalem and and Jerusalem is brought back to the prominence of the entire earth Jerusalem is the place to be I, I believe most people will uh, the majority of the people will want to to be in that area because you know if if Jesus is there literally and you had the opportunity to live near him I think I would do that. You know, so I think everybody's going to be kind of drawn to that, drawn to him. And uh, but it says once a year they'll go up and worship him. Um, but so so the question is why why then, you know, is Satan have to be released? Well, the reason that Satan has to be released for that for that short period of time is because God is a just God. And the reason that that's important is this is because because we're going to read here in the next couple of verses right after this after we finish talking about this part we're going to read about the second resurrection and the and and we're going to read and that's that's where the dead in the dead that uh not the dead in Christ all of the the godly resurrections already happened the ungodly people will be resurrected and everybody that basically basically everybody that's ever lived on the earth is going to go through one of the two resurrections uh, unless just unless they've lived through the tribulation and and you know they didn't need to have be resurrected in that you know in the first resurrection, but we you and I we will be part and and if you include the the rapture of the church as a resurrection, we'll be part of that, <laughs> you know because we're going to be we're going to be taken off of the earth and taken up into heaven. But the second resurrection is going to be the the resurrection of the unjust, which they stand before the throne of God and and they're going to hear the final sentence saying, you know your your eternity is going to be the lake of fire. You know, you rejected me, so now your punishment is this for eternity. Well, if if Jesus, you know, because because what we learned last week about the millennial is that there are going to be mortals that come into the millennial through the tribulation period, and they will be repopulating the earth. There will be people born, many, many, many children born during that thousand years, and they're going to grow up in the millennial uh, without you know without any influence of evil whatsoever. But at the end of that time. At, you know, in order to enter into the kingdom, in order to enter into eternity with Jesus, there is one requirement. And that one requirement is that you choose Jesus over the world. That you make the choice and you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If, if he did not require the people that went through the millennial to do that, then anybody that had died without Jesus could stand up at the great white throne and say, wait a minute, you're not just because that person didn't have to make a decision, and I did. And you're not just, and I don't, since they, since they didn't have to make the decision, I shouldn't have had to. And because God is a just God, He's not going to let that happen. 
So even the people that go through the millennial, they will have to make the choice. And what will that choice be? Because, because they're, because those, those people, they may, they may, they may hear stories about it. They may read stories about it. They may hear some of, some of the people that, you know, lived back before the millennial reign talk about it. But they're never going to experience the, the temptation of Satan. So how, what decision are they going to make? Well, the decision they will make will be here at the very end of the millennial when, when Satan is released and they will have to say no to Satan and say yes to Jesus. And unfortunately, what we read here is that what we read here is that many people says that he's going to deceive the nations, and and the number is as the sand of the sea. In other words, there's going to be many, 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 many people that live in the millennial that I mean, without the influence of Satan, will be deceived by him and choose him over God. Now, the question is, I, I've always asked this question: How can that be? Why would anybody choose Satan when they've lived? A thousand years without him, without any influence. Well, here's let me, let me give you a modern day example. I just heard this just today, and and he actually talked about it a little bit. Uh, Joseph Morris talked about it a little bit. <clears throat> he said this, or, or I mean, what I heard was this: there there was a senator, a U.S. senator, uh, or congresswoman, not a senator. I'm sorry, it's a congresswoman. Was gave an interview. I think it was yesterday, or maybe even been this morning. I don't know. But gave an interview, and here's what she said. She she is um, you know she's against Israel, and she come out and said that that the you know basically she called Israel the occupiers, and and what she was saying was that what her beliefs are is that Israel is occupying Palestinian land, and they need to give the land back to the Palestinians, and just Israel just go away and be nothing. But anyway, she made this statement. She said, you know, she said it is right. She said, she said, it is, it is, she said they have the right, the Palestinians have the right and that they should riot against Israel because they're in occupation. So she was calling for the Palestinians to have uprisings and riots to attack Israel. Now, you heard what Joseph Morris, what we hear him say, um, you know, all the time, uh, every week about how many, how many times Iran and Iraq and, and, and Syria and Russia and all these nations are doing to fight against Israel, right? And, and you know, so, so they're doing that on an ongoing basis. But, but now, if she had just stopped there, that would have been one thing. But here's what she said. She added this. She said, just the same as it is, it is, it would, it is right that the poor communities riot against the, the rich here in America. So she was literally calling for the poor people to riot against people that have things to come and take that stuff from them so that their poor people can have stuff. Now, you might think all of us sitting in this room, we're thinking, well, that's stupidity. I mean, that's just craziness that anybody would think that. But think about this. What if you, what if you heard that so much and that's all you heard and you were, and you were a poor person you lived in a poor community you, you know you, you didn't have anything and all of a sudden somebody got in your ear and started talking about well you deserve what they have that person's got three cars you don't have one you need they should give you one of their cars and all of a sudden all of a sudden your mind starts going well that's right they don't need three cars i, I need a car they you know they should give me one of their cars and if you start and if, and if you start feeding that, then guess what happens? You 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 actually literally turn that person. That person can turn into almost like a weapon against, you know, and and just have a anger against uh, the rich. And if they ever got the opportunity, they would jump at it. If somebody said, "Hey, we're going to take that car for you. Come on, jump in my car. We're going to go get that car. We're going to, you, you know, you're, you'll have that car this afternoon." Well, boy, you know, oh, let's do it. Yeah, let's go. And they jump in the car and go try and do it. Well, see, that's a, that's a modern... I mean, that's something that just happened just today that I read. But here's what's going to happen. These people in the, in the millennial reign, those that choose not to go and worship, they're going to... They're going to rain is going to be withheld from them. If rain is withheld from them, then what does that mean? Their crops don't grow. Their livestock don't have food. Their... You know, I mean, everything changes when, you know, when, when there's a big difference between living in, living in like a land of green and, uh, and green pastures and, and nice lakes and nice water and all that and living in drought with no water. There's a big difference in that. 
So they're going to. So people are going to literally turn against Jesus because they're because they're going to be saying because what what he's going to be saying is this. They're with you know God is withholding rain from you. Who does he think he is? Why does why who does he think he is to make you go and worship him and not give you rain? And your neighbor, look, it's raining on their crops. Why ain't it raining on yours? And then before you know it, when so when Satan is released, he's going to be that 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 avenue. He's going to be that vehicle, so to speak, where he's going to say, "Come on, all of you that God has has shorthanded. If he withheld rain for you, come join me. We're going to go. We're going to go take it back." We're going to go give you what's rightfully yours. And people are going to be deceived into thinking that, that they deserve something that they don't. Does that make sense? And now, to me, I mean, it still don't make sense how people can think that way, but you can see logic, you can see how, how people would, would get drawn into that and get, and get suckered into believing that they could literally, you know, because, because listen... If they had just, if, if the people here, if they had just uh, thought back a little bit, even just a thousand years, they saw what happened to the Battle of Armageddon. I mean, Jesus came down and with, with his mouth, with his words, said one thing, man, and the whole army was slain. And now here they are again, Satan's doing the same thing. Hey, let's go take Jesus. We got, we got him this time. And this time, Jesus don't even have to fight. They surround Jerusalem... And, and all of those, and, and, and uh, I read one commentary this week that said this, that, that was interesting, because I was thinking, I was just thinking, you know, I wonder why they even, you know, why God allowed them to even, even surround Jerusalem. But here, here was what one commentator said. He said, you know, what, what that was, was that, that when, when Satan came and deceived them, they took the step to join his army, and, and all of the people that were against God surrounded Jerusalem. So... Really, to be honest with you, they made God's job a little bit easier. Instead of having to go through and pick this one, this one, this one, he just saw everybody that surrounded Jerusalem, and the Bible says fire came out of heaven and devoured them. There's not even going to have to be a cleanup crew. Fire's going to come down and literally just zap them. And, and it's history. And then the Bible says, the Bible says that, that we'll read the next verse here, that, that he comes down, well, actually, we read that last verse where it says he came down and the devil was, the devil that received him was taken and thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, this verse, verse 10, that we saw here, is where it says the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. A lot of people, a lot of people still, I, I still hear people today, and even reading in this, even studying this, just looking on the Internet and looking at some different things, a lot of people, a lot of people will tell you that hell is not a real place and that, that God doesn't really mean forever and ever. You know, that, that eventually there, there'll be a little bit of torture or whatever, a little bit of torment, and then, and then they're just going to pass away, they'll be gone, and, and, you know, it'll be just like they didn't even exist. But what does this Scripture say? This scripture said forever and ever. He didn't say for a little time. He said that Satan, the beast, and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire and they will be tortured day and night. In other words, it's not just like a 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 thing and then they get a little bit, a little bit of a break. No. It says they are tortured day and night forever and ever. Just like you and I will be in eternity, what we'll read in the next, in the next chapter, you and I are going to be in eternity enjoying eternal, the, the eternal presence of God. We're going to be there enjoying the eternal presence of God forever and ever. It's not going to be just for a few days and then, and then we'll disappear. No, we, we will be with God forever and ever. Just like anybody that rejects God will be in the lake of fire forever and ever. Now this, now this verse here, verse 10 says that, that the, the devil, and it says that the devil and the false prophet and the beast, or the Antichrist, said they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So then, so let's go on and read in verse 11 and see what happens and see that the rest of the people, everybody, everybody that rejects God, that is their final destination. Now, God never, He never created, and actually at creation, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't create hell. Hell was not created until, until Satan 
fail until Satan had his uprising in heaven thinking that he could destroy God. This is like a theme with Satan, thinking that he could overthrow God. And when Satan, <clears throat> when God had to, had to throw him, cast him out of heaven, that was the time that God created hell. And the Bible says that hell was created for Satan and his angels. It was never created, it was never created for, for mankind. But because, because mankind chose to go with Satan instead of God, then guess what happened? Then all of a sudden their destination, Satan's final destination, became their final destination. It didn't have to be that way. God doesn't want it that way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that it's God's heart that every person be saved and that nobody die eternal. I still believe, yes, I, I believe that there's eternal flames. I believe there's eternal... Torture. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, just like the Bible said there is. But I still believe that the greatest torture in hell, the greatest torture in the lake of fire, is a, is a realization that they will be forever separated from God. That there's no hope. You know, because what, what do people say? Even the worst people, even the worst people that you run, in, run into today, they'll still say, well, you know, they'll say things like, well, there's time, I, I have plenty of time. You know, I'm not going to give my life to Jesus right now. I'm going to live my life the way I want to, and then, and then later on I may do it. See, in the back of their mind, they still have hope. But when, when, they, when we get ready to read this, and when the final judgment comes down, and every person, listen, every single person is going to go through one of these two judgments. The, the Christians, we've already been through the, the reward seat, the, 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 what's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's, it's really not a judgment, it's a reward seat. Every born-again person, every person that has a relationship with Jesus will, will be at that judgment. Every person that, that has not accepted Jesus, they're going to be in what we're getting ready to read in the next couple verses. So this is after, remember, this is after the millennial, the, the millennial reign, Satan is loosed. And so when Satan is loosed, God comes, you know, he come, Satan comes and deceives the, the multitudes and they, they surround Jerusalem. God devours them with fire. And then he takes the devil and throws the devil in the lake of fire. So then verse 11. Let's go on and, and see what else John saw here. Verse 11, he says this. John said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it... From, now listen to this next verse. From whose face... Or this next part of the verse. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was, there was found no place for them. Uh, I wrote in my, I remember one time, I can't remember who it was. I, I can't remember whether it was Brother Hagen or um, Charles Capps. I can't remember who it was. Maybe in, maybe in Hilton Sutton. I, I can't remember who it was. But anyway, they called this verse the great uncreation. You know, like we have the creation verses in, in Genesis. This is the uncreation verse. Because listen to what it said. John said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat out. Now, now who is it that sits on the throne? It's Jesus. Uh, through in the Old Testament, the Bible says that, that God is not the one that judges, but He's given that, that power to judge to Jesus. So this is going to be Jesus sitting on the throne here in the great white throne judgment, and He is going to be casting the final, the final say on these people. And says, and, but, but notice this. John said, He saw the great white throne and Him that sat on it, and it says, From whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. In other words, I mean, they, you know, the heavens and the earth just, I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like when, when this happens after the millennial reign and after, after, you know, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, the judgment, you know, the heavens are opened up and the, the great white throne appears. It's almost like earth is going to be recreated because, because in chapter 21, the very next thing that happens after this is the new heavens and the new earth come down out of heaven. So, like, earth gets totally redone. At this, So John said he saw the great white throne and the heavens and the earth fled away from it. That's an incredible verse. And it says, um, and it says, and there was found no place for them. And look at verse 12. He says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of, the, out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So now the, the Amplified 
uh, the Amplified says it this way. Um, well, let me see if the Amp- no, it's not the Amplified that says that. But anyway, uh, I'll have to. I, I didn't write that verse, no, that version down. But um, but it says that the books were open. So there's books that God has. You know, in in uh, is it in Jeremiah? I think where it says that all the days of our lives, all the days of of our lives were written in His books before we were ever born. You realize God keeps books on us. Everything that we do, everything that we will ever do, is written in the books of life that God has for us. Now, there's, there's different books. The Bible mentions about three, probably three or four different books. One of those books is, the, is a, book, a book of works that, that includes everything that you and I have ever done. There's another book the, 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 in, from the Old Testament that says that it's, the, that it's God's book of life. And the Bible says that your name can be erased out of that book. Now, what is that? That, that, that verse has always intrigued me because what that, what that says is this, that every person that was ever born was in God's book of life. But if you choose not to choose Him, your name will be erased out of that book. And here are the great white throne judgment when the, when the, the ungodly are judged... The, the Lord will open up those books and there's not one of their names will appear in the book. Because the Bible says in order to enter into heaven, your name has to be in the book of life. And, and your name is in the book when, you know, really, I, I believe your name's in the book from, from eternity that, because it's God's, it's God's plan for everybody to be with Him. But when you choose not to choose Him, then that's when your name is erased. Blotted out. Man, that's sad, isn't it? So, so here's, the, here's the thing. So this is the second resurrection, and we'll see that in these next... Let's read these next verses, and we'll come back and talk about it. Um, so verse 12, let's read that again. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So here he says a couple things. He says that death and hell gave up their dead. Now, what is that about? That death and hell, when people die today, when, when, if people die today without God, they go to a place called hell. Now, a lot of people say hell is like the final place that people will always be, but that's not correct. The final place for eternity that those that don't believe in God is going to be the lake of fire. So everybody, every person that has died that has rejected God they go to a place called hell. And, and the Bible says here that if, and they, they're not resurrected. They're not brought out of hell until after the millennial reign, until, until the great white throne judgment. And then death and hell give up their dead. The sea give up, gives up its dead. Every dead person, every person that has ever rejected God comes up before the great white throne judgment. And the books are open and it says they're, they're judged according to their works. Now, that brings up an interesting point because, you know, now there's a couple different things, uh, a couple different scriptures that talk about in hell there's different degrees of punishment. And I believe, just like, just like I believe in heaven, there's different, different levels of rewards. You know, and we've talked about that a little bit at the, when we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb and the, and the reward seat of Christ, how, you know, and the, the, thing, that, the thing that I think we're going to find interesting is that it's not going to be those, it's, it's more than likely, it's not going to be the big-name TV preachers that get the most rewards. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if, if Grandma that stays on her knees in a prayer closet is the one that gets the most rewards over anybody. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be a big name to get rewards in heaven. You know, you just have to be faithful to do what He told you to do and to pray and to, and to you know, and, and just to be obedient to Him. But there are different, there's different uh, verses that talk about, Jesus even talked about, you know, uh, he talked about different, uh, different parables, he talked about different levels of judgment. Uh, 
And so I believe, I believe that those people, I do, I do believe the, the worse you were, and, and now, you know, we as Christians, we're not judged by our works. We don't get into heaven by our works. But yet, even at the same time, what we do after we give our life to God will be, will be rewarded. And, you know, the Bible says we'll go through that. Remember, it says we'll go through the, the testing. And, and, what, and it says that, that if it's wood, hay, and stubble, it will be burnt up, but your, but your spirit, you know, you'll still be saved. And it says if it's gold and, and silver, it says it'll be purified, and, 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 and that'll be, you know, the rewards there. And just like here, I believe those that, that, uh, that, served, that served the devil and, and did the, the most horrible things... I think that their, their degree of punishment will be a lot worse than some of the others because he says that they're judged by their works. You know, and, and it said here, and it talks about here that... Um, now, it did mention, I, I didn't even mention this. Let me, let me share this. Because it, it did talk about here in... Um, let me find this where I was looking at here. Um, had one other thing I was going to mention. Let me find it. Lord, help me with that. What was that? So in like verse 12, it talks about they were judged according to their works. Verse 13, judged according to their works. Verse 14 says, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But we've seen that before where it said that it, uh, that's what I was going to talk about, the second death. Because we've seen that before where it says that, that those that are born again will not have to see the second death. So when he talks about second death here, what he's talking about, and really this is the part where I'm saying that I think this is, the, this is like the main punishment of hell to me anyway, I, the way I see it, is that the second death is this. The second death is eternal separation from God. This is the second death. He said the re they're, they're resurrected. You know, every, pers every person will be resurrected. They'll stand before God. <clears throat> and then the second death is when he looks at them, and, and Jesus and other people had, had said this in the New Testament, where he looks at them and says, Depart from me, I never knew you. And they're cast into the lake of fire. And they're for, they're for eternity. They know that there's no hope that, that, that they'll ever be reunited with God or ever have reconciliation with God from that point forward. That's a sad thing, isn't it? And the great news about it is this. Here's the good news about it is nobody has to go there. Even the worst person, the worst person you can think of in your life right now, the worst person you know, the worst drug addict, the worst heathen, the worst, the person that, that you think, man, that he's the, he or she's the worst person I know. They don't have to go to hell. All, the, all that is required is for them to turn their life over to God and say, God, I want you to be my Savior. And then you know what? Their name will stay in the book of life. And, and when the books are open, their name will be there. They'll be in heaven. Now, the, the two, the two uh, or this, this judgment right here, the great white throne judgment, there will be no Christians here. This is totally a judgment of those that have, have turned their back on God. Those that have said no to him, the the judgment for Christians will be the reward seat. That that's the judgment we'll stand. Because like I said, everybody's going to stand before a judgment. There's two judgments. There's the, there's the the reward seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is what it's called in the King James. But really, that word judgment really should be reward seat. But the judgment seat of Christ, and then the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ or the reward seat is for Christians. That's when, we'll, that's when we'll get our reward and we'll hear him say, you know, you'll live with me for, forever. The, the great white throne judgment is here where every person that has rejected him will stand before him and they'll hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And that's the second death. And they'll be there, they'll be there for eternity. And then in verse, uh, to wrap this up in verse 15, he says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. And uh, the, king, the Amplified says he was hurled into the lake of fire. So, um, you know, so that's pretty sobering, isn't it? To think, to see that God is going to judge, there's going to be a final judgment. The thing, here's the thing I love about Revelation, and hopefully you've seen this. Now, I know we haven't been through every verse in Revelation in this study, but, but we've, gone, we've gone through a big chunk of it. 
the thing that I love about Revelation is this, that it shows God's, uh, it shows His long-suffering. In other words, it shows to, to what extent God has gone to so that people don't have to be in the great white throne judgment. I mean, all throughout, all throughout the, the tribulation period, God, time and time again, He sent the 144,000 Jews to preach. He sent the two witnesses that, that, that went and preached and did miracles. He, he sent angels flying through the heavens preaching the gospel. No other time has angels ever preached the gospel. But in the tribulation period, God will send angels flying across the sky preaching the gospel, begging people to come, you know, to come and give their lives to God. You know, so it's not, so anybody that ever gets this far and, and nobody will have an excuse to be able to say, well, if only I had another chance. You know, because God has given, God has given everyone, every person more than enough chances. Amen. So now listen, I, I just, I just implore you in this. The, the thing that I would just say, you know, we hear, we hear every week we listen to Joseph Morris and he says, so what do we do? Well, you know, and I'll give, I'll give his spiel. You know, at the two-minute warning, you know, we don't slow down. You know, when you see the white flag waving in a, in a race, you know, that's not the time to hit your brakes and be conservative. You know, what is it? The two-minute warning, the last ten seconds of a basketball game, the last, you know, the last lap of a race. Man, you put your pedal to the metal and you go and you don't care what happens. I mean, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. You know, you're going to take, somebody's got to take that last shot. Why not let it be you? You know, somebody's got to throw the ball. Somebody's got to catch it. Somebody's got to block. Somebody's got to do something to, to win that winning touchdown. You know, so we're given 150%. We don't try to fit God into our life. He is our life. You know, we don't try to make excuses why we don't go to church. No, we find people to bring to church with us. You know, we don't, we don't fill our kids' lives up with everything so that they never come to church. No, we, we make room for them to be in church every opportunity they get so that they can get, so that they can hear Jesus as many times as we can get them to hear Jesus. You see, because, because guys, listen, at the end of the day, when you stand before God, He's not going to ask you how many ball games your kid won. He's not going to ask you how many, you know, how, how many times you got to, Got, got that perfect jump in at the lake, you know, on, the, on your ski boat. He's not going to ask, you know, how much you enjoyed this or enjoyed that. What he's going to ask is this, what did you do with me? You know, what did you do with the, every opportunity I gave you to, to, to put Jesus into your kids' lives? To put, you know, wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it be sad for us? You know, Jesus said this. He said, he said wouldn't it be something to win the world and lose your own soul? You know, to have everything in this life, to be, to have everybody pat your back, to have everybody tell you what a good parent you were, what a good worker you were, what a good boss you were, all that stuff, and yet, then, and yet at the end of your life, you stand before God and He say, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, the question is, would it be worth it? And it's a big N-O. <laughs> it's a big no. So guys, listen, it's not time for us to back up, it's not time for us to to, to say, well, we'll let somebody else do it. It's time for you and I. It's time for us. It's time for, for every single person to say, you know what? Man, this, this is a so, to me, this is a sobering passage to read this and to know that, you know what? I'll have loved ones. I, I have loved ones I know that have, that have passed on that I, I really don't, I mean, I, I can't be a judge of them, but, but I really don't know that they were Christians. So I'll probably have loved ones that I know, people that I know, will be will be will stand before God in these last few verses we just read. And it breaks my heart to know that you know what I maybe I should maybe I should have talked to them one more time. Maybe I should have picked up the phone. Maybe I should have sent a card. Maybe I should have done something. You know, and, and we you know we can't put it all on ourselves, but but at the same time there are things we can do. You know, I mean, there are, I mean, there's, there's, and the, the most important thing is this, is that you do what God tells you to do when He tells you. If He lays somebody on your heart, just this week, I mean, man, I mean, just out of the blue, the Lord put like three people on my heart that, that I hadn't talked to in, I mean, man, I hadn't talked to in years. And, and the Lord put them on my heart, and, and I, I called one up uh, yesterday, and, uh, and, and I thought, well, I've got, I've got an old phone number, I'll just see. And I called, and sure enough, it was still the right phone number. And, and man, we had a great conversation, and, and come to find out, he was going through some things, and, and I mean, I was able to, I was able just to pray with him, and, and you know, I don't know, what, I don't know what kind of difference it made, but, but just knowing 
that, that, you know, when we hung up, he said, man, he said, I am so glad you called me. He said, I needed this conversation. You know, and if nothing else, it just brought a little cheer to somebody. You know, it brought just a little, uh, just hopefully a little hope or something to somebody. And, and, when, and when God, when, when, you know, when he lays, when he lays those on, people on your hearts, it's, it's important that we're quick, that we, that we stop what we're doing and we, we reach out and we, we make that call, we go visit them, whatever the case may be. And, you know, and, and, like, and, and you might say, well, people will think I'm crazy doing that. You know, what, what, what do I say to them? You just tell them, say, look, I'll just, I, you know, the Lord just put you on my heart. I'm just praying for you. I just want you to know that. And if the conversation stops right there, that's enough. Just for somebody, just, just to hear them say, for them to hear you say, hey, I'm praying for you. And don't just say it, literally pray for them. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, say a prayer for them before you call them and, and whatever the case may be. But the very next verse in chapter 21, uh, chapter 21, the very next verse, John said this. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So, man, so at the great white throne judgment, at the end of the millennial, after the tribulation, the end of the millennial, earth is going to be totally, totally redone. And the sea is going to be gone. There's no, you know, the first heaven, the first earth disappears. And John sees the new heaven and the new earth. And man, next week we're going to talk about, we get to describe the new heaven and the new earth that John saw. Man, it's beautiful. And, and that's our, that is where you and I are going to spend eternity. That, that'll be our home. When Jesus said in John 14, he said, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come back so that, and get you so that you can be with me. That's the home he's been, he's been away some 2,000 years now preparing for us and it's it's ready man i mean i think i think the foundations are are about to bust through the sky (laughs) you know we're that close and and you know it's just going to be just a just a few short days i believe and and uh and we'll we'll be raptured the the tribulation will happen the millennial will happen and then and then we'll enter into our final our final home with with him the new heaven and the new earth amen amen all right any questions or any anybody have any comments before we go tonight very, very interesting stuff. Everybody good? All right. Well, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dismiss you guys. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, for, uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the Word tonight, Lord. I thank you that uh, your Word is, is both encouraging and challenging, Lord, because it challenges us. Father, because I don't want anybody I know to face this uh, for their eternity. Lord, I want everybody I know and everybody I come into contact with, Lord, I want them to, to live in heaven with us. And so, Father, I, I pray that, that, we would, that it would challenge each one of us and it would, it would stir us up to be more about the Father's business. And so, Father, we pray, we pray for blessings over each one. Thank you for giving us those opportunities. Thank you for giving us the, the opportunities to witness, the opportunities to share the, the Word, share the Gospel. And we just pray blessings, Father, on every conversation, on every encounter that we have. And, Father, because we know that you're putting people across our path so that we can witness to them and so that we can uh, share the love of God with them. So I thank you for that. Pray safety on our kids as they're driving back tonight from, uh, from their uh, youth event tonight, Lord. And we just thank you for giving us a great week. And just thank you, Father, for a great weekend that you've got the rest of this week and weekend you've got planned for us. And we just give you all the glory and honor, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.